Hi, this is Alexa Adams-Robertson. And I'm Jenny Lewis. And this is our inaugural episode of our new podcast, Checked Out. Which is a Lexington Public Library virtual book club. So this first book that we're going to be talking about was actually chosen by our staff members on a poll that we submitted. Um, I believe that the books that we included in the poll were Me Before You by Jojo Moyes, The Nest. Um, What were the other ones that we included in the list? Oh, Eligible, that was another one. Eligible, by, uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, Curtis Ittenfield. Curtis Ittenfield. And Me Before You was the winner by a long shot, I believe. It was, it was. It was not my top choice. (laughs) Uh, And we'll talk a little bit about that, about what our our ideas were about the book before we read it. Right. uh, And then what we thought after we read it. So um, there are spoilers ahead. We are going to talk about the book and the plot. So Mm -hmm. if you haven't read it yet and you're planning to read it, um, or you're going to see the movie and you don't want to know the ending, Mm -hmm. uh, tune off now and come back to us later. Right. Yeah, we are, we are, this is not a spoiler-free podcast. Nope, not even a little bit. <laughs> so I guess to start, we can talk a little bit just about the plot of the book. Um, so this is about a woman named Louisa Clark. She's a very, she, I think she's like 22. She's pretty young. She's pretty young. Yeah. Um, in her early 20s. And it's set in England in a tiny little village. Um, and so her job that she has working in a bakery has just closed down. So she lost her job at the very beginning, and she's looking for a new job. Um, And she comes across this ad um, looking for a caretaker for a very rich family in her village's son. Yes. Um, And And Louise's family, you kind of get the feeling that the town itself is kind of economically depressed. Mm -hmm. Um, Her family is going through some hard times. Uh, They rely on her income. So she's kind of desperate to get work. Um, And one of the things that kind of stood out to me really early on is she's kind of like the butt of jokes for her family. God, isn't it awful? Her dad <laughs> makes horrible cracks about her all the time. Um, she's kind of just content to, to live a very kind of small, quiet life. Her sister was like the star of the family mm-hmm. um, and has moved back home with her young child. Mm-hmm. So uh, Lou, as she's called, is, is really kind of just kind of struggling to figure out what she wants. Um, so I thought the dynamic between Lou and her sister was really interesting. Um, I know a lot of just sister pairs, um, and they definitely acted the same way that Lou and her sister did, where it was kind of like they were friends one minute, and then they just hated each other. Very it's like, loving and also very competitive. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was really interesting to s- and I think that one of the things that Jojo Moyes does really well in this book is gets the different voices of all her characters. Yes. Um, she she delves into the heads of pretty much every character in the book at some point, I think, besides um, Louise's parents. Um, yeah, she gets inside of everyone. Will only has the very first chapter, so yeah. we don't get nearly as much from Will as we, we only get pre-accident Will. Yes. We never get inside of Will's head after the accident, which I guess is the other thing that we should mention about the plot of this book, is that the son who needs the caretaking um, when Lou applies for the job is a very rich, competitive businessman named Will um, who is struck by a motorcycle at the very beginning of the book, and it leaves him quadriplegic. Yes. So he can, he can only move his fingers a little bit, and he can turn his head and he can talk, and that is the limit of his mobility. Yes, and he's he's been basically a shut-in for some time, and uh, the job that Luis is hired to do is a little you're a little unclear at first because he has a nurse, he has a male nurse mm-hmm. um, who seems very attentive and very good at his job, and so even Lou isn't entirely sure what her what her job's going to be. She's mm-hmm. kind of like, well, I'm not your nurse, so I'm supposed to like hang out with you, watch movies with you, talk to you. As the book goes on. 
you realize that she was really hired to kind of be a friend and and try to help pull him out of he's in a severe depression after mm-hmm. his accident and his parents want him to to come out of that and they are hoping that having someone young and energetic and full of life around will help pull him pull him out of that funk out mm-hmm. of that depression right yeah um and <laughs> i thought it was so funny there was a lot of really i mean she really does make louisa completely clueless yeah. in regards to pretty much everything. I mean, she's a very good just, like, stand-in for the reader because it's like she has no idea what caring for Will will entail. There's a lot of a lot of worry about catheters at the beginning. Mm-hmm. She's just like, I don't want anything to do with that. A lot of, like, will I have to help him go to the loo? Um, and it's just like she has absolutely no clue the extent of his injuries. Um, she She doesn't know how to do the job. And so, yeah, she really was hired just to be... A person to yeah. cheer him up, and and, and it, I think the, one of the things that that JoJo does really well mm-hmm. is gives a lot of background, a lot of information about Will's injury and oh, about yeah. um, being quadriplegic in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there's a lot of worry. At one point, I guess the catheter doesn't get changed quickly enough, and he gets an right, infection. Yeah. Um, he he gets very sick very easily. He's very susceptible to things like pneumonia, mm-hmm. and they have to go to the hospital several times. And it can be very scary. One minute, you know, he seems fine. They're watching a movie, and it's like the next day he's he's deathly ill. Right. Um, and she does a great job of conveying that um, part of disability. Mm-hmm. I actually, I read an interview with Jojo Moyes, and somebody asked her what the inspiration behind Me Before You was. And she said it was a number of things, but she also had two close relatives that were dependent on 24-hour care at the time that she was writing the book. And so that's what really kind of inspired her to to write about somebody facing those own issues because she actually did have relatives who were dependent on the kind of care that yeah. Will is in the novel. Um, so, so as the book kind of progresses, um, you you find out Will's parents at first. His dad's very distant, and his mom is, seems very cold and mm-hmm. terrifying. Oh my gosh! In a lot of ways. It's really scary. I I you'd read her and she'd come <laughs> on the page, and you'd be like, oh gosh, just leave the room. I don't like you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you find out, I think, uh, fairly about probably midway through the book that Will had actually intended to kill himself. Mm-hmm. That was his plan: was to go to a clinic and uh, have an assisted suicide. And he had made a deal with his parents that he would wait a number of months um, before doing so. Mm-hmm. And his parents are desperately hoping that he will change his mind and that Lou will be able to help him in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then over the course of the novel, uh, Lou and Will fall in love mm-hmm. um, and start. Uh, it's not really a, a relationship, I guess. Right. Um, they, they, but they, they, their feelings for one another uh, develop. As the novel progresses. Will, I think, really tries to pose himself as more of a mentor than a love yeah. interest for Lou. And I think that that has a lot to do with the fact that he knows going in that he's not going to change his mind. Right. He's just like, I'm going to do it no matter what. So he's really trying to keep some distance, I think. Um, and I think that that's what spurred uh, one of my coworkers to say that it's not a romance. Because it's like, because he really does try and make it clear that he doesn't want that. And, and one of the things that I, I kind of want to backtrack real fast and talk about, um, going in, when, when this book was chosen by our coworkers, mm-hmm. I was not at all excited <laughs> to read this. I, I had written it off. I think mm-hmm. the way that the book is marketed, the cover and the artwork, yeah. I think the book is kind of marketed as a romance, which is fine, but it's not a genre that I read. And so I had like real, no real, mm-hmm. like, strong interest in reading it um, and then as you're as you're getting into it you realize first of all it's it's very well written the characters mm-hmm. are very well developed and um, as you said it's more it, it is partially 
a romance in a way between between Will and Louisa, but mm-hmm. also it's Louisa figuring out who she is. Yeah. Um, you find out that she was uh, assaulted, um, I guess, like in high school. Yeah, at, at the castle, yeah. which is in their town. Um, she was she was assaulted by some some boys. Mm-hmm. God, what a scary flashback chapter that is. That was very 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 scary. Yeah. Oh gosh. Um, and that really kind of put her off. Um, it stunted her mm-hmm. kind of growth as an adult, if you will. Just completely. Yeah. She she has a a job that she liked, and she had a boyfriend who mm-hmm. seems lovely but <laughs> distant. Sure. Really distant. Yeah. Um, he's really into athletics and so he's always off like training for a half marathon or a iron man or something mm-hmm. she's kind of on her own um but she likes that she likes to keep him at a distance and she kind of like to just not have to i think really think bigger things about her life right yeah and so the book really is so much more than just this romance it's it's her and will really figuring out will pulling her out pulling her out of her shell and helping her discover who she is and, and how to reach her potential. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of had the same reaction as you whenever I started reading it. Um, so I hadn't heard anything about it. I had no clue what it was about going in. And I'd never had any Jojo Moyes before. Um, one of my coworkers, another coworker at Eastside, um, is described as a Jojo Moyes super fan. She's read literally every single book that Jojo Moyes has ever written. So she was really excited that we were doing it. Um, but I read the first chapter, which is told in Will's perspective, as I as I said earlier, and it's pre-accident. So it's it's Will at, like, the height of his corporate overtaking, just, like, jerkiness. And I was just like, I hated it. Yeah. I was just like, I read that first chapter, and I was like, oh. Is it? I was like, it felt kind of Fifty Shades to me. I was kind of getting, like, Christian Grey vibes. It's much better written. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, there's, it's funny. There's, like, he, he he's getting ready to go to work, and there's, like, this gorgeous model in his bed. <laughs> and I was so, like, it's very James Bond. Oh, it's right? super like, cliche. It's just like, did a man write this? Yeah. Like, as a some sort of, like, self-fulfilling? fantasy it was just like so just oh here's this perfect guy with his phone and his motorcycle and his cool leather jacket and his beautiful brazilian mall it's just like yeah. oh god and i just like, i hate all i hate you so much oh yeah i read that first time i was like oh boo i don't want to read this um but then the next chapter you immediately get into lou and she is just like the absolute polar opposite yeah. of will trainer and you're like and then i was kind of like all right uh <laughs> I'll give it a shot. We can keep going. And then when we, we do meet Will later on, post-accident, right. he is, of course, completely different, completely changed. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so over the course of the book, Will and Lou have a relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, as you said, Will really thinks of himself as a mentor mm-hmm. and helps pull Louisa out of her out of her shell. And it's kind of Pygmalion, my fair lady. Very much so. <laughs> That's a really great analogy. Yeah. Um, and they take this trip. His ex-girlfriend... Uh, Gets married and uh, she kind of gets like a pity invite mm-hmm. uh, and and decides he's gonna go. He's gonna show up and he and and Lou go and have a wonderful time. They take a vacation together, um, and that's when she finds out that he intends to kill himself. Mm-hmm. And that's where the book took kind of like a sharp right. Oh yeah, <laughs> the minute that she found out in the book, and I realized how many pages were left, I was like, oh god, <laughs> that's that's a lot of just sadness coming my way, because um, it's there. There really is a lot of book left yeah. once once she realizes what's happening. It is, I mean, if you're looking for just something that is a light beach read that won't leave you this is not your beach read miserable on the sand <laughs> then I do not recommend this read um one plus one I think is another Jojo Moyes book that has been recommended to me as a good beach read yeah there you go yeah there nobody dies in that one right or maybe you know The Nest which was also on our yes list. 
Um, but I think that that that's where the book really kind of veers off and, and takes on a different, it almost becomes a different story at that point. Mm-hmm. And, and the author um, starts to talk about uh, the concept of assisted suicide and the concept of what makes life worth living mm-hmm. and when should you make that decision. And Lou, obviously, is devastated because she is in love with Will. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, she has to really struggle with un- whether or not to support his decision, whether to be there for him or not. Um, and it really creates a lot of tension with some relationships in her life. It does, yeah. One of the most surprising things to me in this entire book was her mother, Louisa's mother's reaction whenever she finds out that Will is going is planning on killing himself and that Louisa is considering being complicit in it. Um, Louisa's mother has met Will at this point. I believe, I believe they only meet one time mm-hmm. ever. He comes over to dinner um, at Louisa's house at one point in the novel, and her parents both just completely fall in love with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and Louisa's mother basically disowns her. Mm-hmm. She's literally like, if you go to Switzerland, where is Dignitas located? I think it is Switzerland. Switzerland, yeah. yeah. Dignitas, the the assisted suicide clinic. She says... Which, for a moment, can we just say, that is like the worst, I don't know what it is about the name of that that clinic. Dignitas. Dignitas. Yeah. For some reason, I was like, come on. Have you ever... Like a clinical, like... Meta, meta something. I, I know. know. Have you ever watched or read Children of Men? No. Um, there, there's like, uh, there, there's an assisted suicide pill in that that has a really similar name to it. So it's like, that's what, but I mean, Dignitas is a real place, isn't it? Oh, I don't know. I, I, I think that know. I think that Dignitas is real. Um, we can look that up. I know there um, are places like it. Right. That do exist. Yeah. yeah. I think um, the name just really annoyed me. <laughs> um, but so whenever Louise's mother finds out that um, she's going to go and is going to be with Will whenever he commits, su- commits suicide in this clinic, um, she basically says, don't come back. Um, if you go and you participate in this, then you are not welcome back in my house. Um, and I thought that was really cold. I mean, I did, yeah, to disown your child for something like that. Yeah, and it's just like, I mean, you really do kind of get a sense of two different mothers in this book because you get a lot of Will's mother, and you really look at this woman as being so cold and just awful in in a lot of ways, especially when you're viewing her for, for, through Louise's lens mm-hmm. because Louise is just like, oh, God, she's terrifying. Um, but then when you get inside of Will's mother's head, I mean, she cares so much for Will. And it's like she's doing literally everything she can do to keep her son alive. Absolutely. And he's a grown man, and he's chosen that he doesn't want to be. And, I mean, she she has to come to terms with that. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I mean, what what can you do? Exactly. He's yeah, a grown-up. Exactly. Well, I think once you find out what Will, what, what she's wrestling with, then you suddenly have a lot more sympathy for her. Absolutely. Yeah. It kind of like the, the roles of the mother's reverse, because at first I was yeah. like not into Will's mother at all, and Louise's mother's like so cute and charming and like takes care of her father and all this stuff. Um, and yeah, and I really just like found myself just absolutely being furious with her at the end of the book. Do you think that maybe part of uh, Lou's mother's problem is... You mentioned she's taking care of her mm-hmm. aging father. Do you think that that's part of it, is being the caretaker role and watching someone, helping someone through the natural aging process that maybe she can't understand? Yeah, I definitely think that Jojo Moyes was trying to kind of present two sides of a coin there, mm-hmm. um, where it's like, here's Will's mother who has accepted that her son has made this decision, and here is Louise's mother who is kind of like just clinging desperately to to keeping somebody there with her. Because, yeah. I mean, her her father, Louise's grandfather in the book, I mean, he's, he can't even really talk. Mm-hmm. He, I believe he had a stroke, um, and he's just entirely dependent on Louise's mother for everything. That's literally all Louise's mother does in the book is take care of her father. Um, and I think that that's really kind of two different views on mm-hmm. keeping somebody around whenever 
they they can they can no longer take care of themselves. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a lot of work. I mean, and so Will's mother was totally willing to put in that work to hire as many nurses as she can. Um, but at what point do you have to let the adult make the Do you have to decision? let the adult make the decision? Do you have to let somebody go? Everyone's going to die. <laughs> Literally everyone. I mean, it's it's going to happen at some point and Will is a is a cognizant adult who decided that He's going to die sooner or later, probably sooner, because he does get, I mean, delaying a catheter change for an hour gave him a life-threatening infection. Right. So, I mean, it's like he's he's not in peak health. I mean, it's it's probably going to be sooner rather than later. He's not going to live a long life like he probably thought he would and like most people hope for. Um, and so he's trying to kind of take back a little bit of that decision-making power that was taken from him. When he was in the accident. Well, you're getting into some of the, the questions that staff brought up for us. Oh, we're yeah. Go ahead and delve into, into delve into some of the ones that um, we polled our staff who had read the book and mm-hmm. loved it and recommended it and asked them to submit some discussion questions for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're going to go through uh, some of those. Um, the first one we have is, should Lou have supported Will by being with him for his death, even though it caused a rift between her and her mother? Did mm-hmm. Will have the right to kill himself? Mm-hmm. What do you think, Alexa? I mean, I absolutely think she should have supported him, and I absolutely think that Will had the right to kill himself. Um, I mean, like I said, Will is a cognizant, rational adult. Yes, he he was depressed. I'm pretty sure he was on medication for that. Um, he took just handfuls and handfuls of pills every day, and I, I somehow doubt that his mother would have let the whole depression thing slip by her without doing something to address it. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I I was really upset um, when Louisa said that she couldn't be a part of it and left. I was mm-hmm. just like, oh, but you've been with him for so long, and it's like he's a grown-up, and he made this decision, and you're just going to abandon him now, and he really wants you to be with him. I mean, we were talking a little bit before we started recording that if I were in this position and I had some sort of life-altering condition or something like that, I, I certainly wouldn't rule out um, something like this. I mean... They're not everywhere in uh, America like they are in Europe. Um, I know Oregon has them. Um, but it's just like, I mean, I can't imagine if my husband was wouldn't support me in that. I mean, if it's just like, no, go do it by yourself. I mean, that would just be heartbreaking. I mean. I agree. I yeah. agree. I think I see why Lou, you know, initially she says she's not going to go and, and she, she takes off and she's very upset. And then at the end she decides to go be with him and support mm-hmm. him. Um, I understand why she chose, yeah. chose to go be with him um, and help him to be there for him. I think it is for, as much for him as it is for her, I mm-hmm. think, too, to have closure. Yeah. Um, but I, and I do think that Will had the right to make that choice. I don't know that I that I stand by it. Mm-hmm. But I, I see, I don't know, this book has raised a lot of uh, conflicting um, things for me. And, mm-hmm. and so I, I see why he made the decision. I don't necessarily support it. Yeah. And, and I mean, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people have that reaction where it's like, I mean, nobody can know what they would do sure. until, until they're put into the position. And it's just like, I say that, but I mean, who knows? I mean, if I were in an accident, I may completely change my mind because I, I don't know what that is. I don't know what it is like to be in some, some kind of horrible position like this. And I mean, at the same time, I believe that this book did a really good job of addressing the different viewpoints that other right. people in the positions might have. I know Jojo Moyes did a lot of research online, and she went on message board. She talked to actual quadriplegic people who told her they're very happy, and they had a very fulfilling life. Um, they enjoyed themselves, and they would never dream of committing suicide or going to a clinic like this. Um, so, I mean, it's just like 
individual people um, make different decisions with their lives. And the character of Will is just one facet of that decision that's, that could be made. Well, one thing I want to I want to mention um, something that has been popping up uh, I've seen on Facebook a bunch of times and has been reposted by um, some Facebook friends of mine uh, is an article that appeared on Medium and it's called people who, the article is called people who use wheelchairs don't actually want to kill themselves right um, <laughs> which the author, is a great title it's a great title <laughs> and the author is uh, David I think his last name is pronounced Beckor Beckor um, he is a writer and founder of TripleDigitLove.com. Um, he is also a quadriplegic, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. And he has a lot of issues as another quadriplegic. He has a lot of issues. I think he has like a degenerative disease. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't, he wasn't in an accident like Will. He, he slowly got worse over time. Um, but he is someone who requires lots of medical attention, lots of medical care. Mm-hmm. And he has a lot of issues with this book and with this movie coming out. Um, and there are a couple of just paragraphs I wanted to read to get his perspective. Um, This is, again, from that article. He says, This truth bears repeating. The perception of disability is at the root of the majority of challenges people with disabilities encounter each day. Ramps can be built, technology can open new doors, literally and figuratively, and machines can even breathe for us. But to change the hearts and minds of those who perceive disability as some kind of pitiful, I'd-rather-be-dead circumstance is what places more limitations on us than anything. And that's the problem with me before you. At its core, it's a story that embraces an idea that people with disabilities and their families, friends, teachers, colleagues, and lovers have been pushing back against for decades. The idea that our lives are somehow less worth living. Mm -hmm. Um, And then one of the great parts of this article that I love is the way he closes it. He says, um, and that brings us to the underlying question of me before you, what might make life worth living for someone who uses a wheelchair? Truly, it's a difficult question to answer. Maybe cheese, if you really, really enjoy cheese. <laughs> Yoga pants, a bold cabernet, Amazon Prime Now, laughter, the ocean breeze filling your lungs, wanting to start a family, an ambition to contribute something meaningful to the world. Oh, and love, the deepest human connection that makes you feel, uh, the deepest human connection that makes you feel seen like you've never been seen before. Yeah, love is enough too, even for people with disabilities. Um, do you feel like, and I think that for me anyway, I felt like because Will had this love now with Louisa Mm -hmm. and this this kind of new lease on life, I felt like that should have been his reason for living and for sticking around. God, that broke my heart in the novel. That was was the part that really got me whenever she said, but I love you, isn't that enough? And he said, no, it's not enough. Um, And I mean, he is presented as this character who had this really active life. I mean, he rode motorcycles, he jumped off cliffs, he he went skydiving, he did all these things. And so, I mean, as as a person, Will just wasn't, he, it wasn't enough. I mean, even though Louisa loved him just, like, as much as she possibly could and was there for him just through the absolute worst times in his life, I mean, he's literally just, he's miserable. He's just mean and is awful to her, and she still sticks by him. Um, and, I mean, it's just, it wasn't enough for him. That that wasn't what made his life worth living. I, and I think there's a part in the book whenever Louisa says, take me to France, take me to this wonderful place that you remember being, and it was the best time in Will's life. And he says, no, because then that memory of me being there will be gone. It will be replaced with all the things that 
I have to take into consideration now being in that place. He's like, I can't ride this wheelchair in France. They don't have sidewalks that are able to accommodate it. And so, I mean, so many other things would have to change if he were to go back to that place. And and so I, I don't think that he as a character could get past those things. Well, most of our, our staff who submitted questions, one of the questions they had for us was, was, Will being selfish. Yeah, I thought that was really funny. Almost Uh everyone submitted that question to us. Yeah, was Will being selfish. And then um, uh, one of our our children's librarians said, was Will being selfish or do you have to fully be happy with yourself in order to love truly? So did Will Mm -hmm. truly love Lou Mm -hmm. or was he unable to actually have that full commitment to her that she could have to him Mm -hmm. because he wasn't? Himself, he didn't have right. to him the things that made him him We're gone. was an active and, and vibrant yeah. lifestyle. And he couldn't have that anymore. Yeah, he he truly felt like he was no longer himself yeah. because his he could no longer move his limbs. I mean that that is like just the core of that character's motivation in this novel is that he he wasn't himself anymore and he was no longer happy. Um, and this was kind of a way for him to take back that. Um, but I mean, yeah, yeah, Will was selfish by by killing himself. But I mean, he's also a person, and so he's entitled to that. I mean, I think that that's kind of another thing regarding disabled people. Is I mean, he he made a decision, um, and his mother was kind of trying to take that power away from him, and that dehumanizes him. I mean, he's an adult; he's making the decision. Period. And I mean, to, to deny him that, I think, is, is almost worse than acknowledging it. Yes, but I also completely, as a mother, sympathized with his mother. Oh, I yeah. I was thinking, you know, of course she is desperate, desperate, mm-hmm. desperate, desperate oh, to do anything she can to make her son yeah. change his mind. And even, I think, were she able, I think she would have prevented him from going. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's what moms do. And that's... You know, because you're that's that primal primal love for your child, no matter how old they are, no matter what's mm-hmm. going on in their life. It's that need to protect in any way that you can. How did you feel about um, the the portion? In, it's in the novel, and I believe it's like an actual true story as well. At least Jojo Moyes brought it up in the interview that I read of the rugby player who had the accident to where he no longer could play rugby. And he was only, he was really young, like 19, 20, something like that. And he went to Dignitas and, and took his own life because he felt that he was no longer himself. And his mother um, was quoted in the novel as saying that he, he looked like himself again um, as he died in the clinic. It completely broke my heart. Yeah. It, it just was, undoes you yeah. when you read that part. Um, yeah. I But I also feel like that's where maybe a great deal of... Um, as this author in this medium piece says, mm-hmm. we need to maybe rethink disabilities mm-hmm. and rethink what makes us us. Um, and I think it's hard if your whole identity is wrapped up in being a physical person and right. you can no longer be a physical person. Or if your whole identity is is wrapped up in, in you know, I, being an artist and you lose your, your arms in, a, in an accident or something. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you how do you restructure that that thinking of who you are? Um, and I, I guess it's naive of me to think that you get a lot of counseling and you yeah. re, you relearn to be someone else and right. be someone new. Um, and that's what I think I would yeah would have wanted for for my if that were my child. That's yeah. what I would have wanted. But and it's that, like I mean I'm sure that there are just thousands upon thousands of people who do that and they do it successfully. Christopher Reeve. Ex- Stephen Hawking. Exactly. I mean, like, there are so many people who, who successfully do that. And it's just like, I, I definitely think that people like will exist. I, I absolutely believe that there are people who have decided, you know what, I'm fundamentally different. This isn't the life that I signed up for. No, I'm making a decision. Um, but I think it's definitely a, a, probably a, a minority 
Um, I, I don't think that it's it's the norm by any means. Um, but I also don't think that reading a book about a fundamentally happy person with their, their life situation is necessarily a compelling read. Sure. I don't know that anyone would write that novel or that anyone would read it. Oh, or that I'm fine with this. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. not terribly way, compelling. That's great. Good for you. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's like it's a novel. There's going to be a conflict in it. And, and this was the conflict central to this novel. And that is one of the great things about about a book like this. And, the, mm-hmm. and I, one thing that, that Jojo Moyes does really well is she sparks debate. Oh, absolutely. Um, I loved that, that medium piece. And I'm yeah. so glad that he had a reason to write it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, without this novel, would he have written that? I mean, maybe, right. but I don't I don't think it would have gotten the attention that it, it does whenever you put me before you on it. <laughs> and do you think, too, I mean, you know, I think the probably the, the biggest... Uh, spokesperson, at least in the U.S., for for someone with disabilities, mm-hmm. is probably was probably Christopher Reed, sure. who was injured, in, of course, in a riding accident and was a quadriplegic, um, and went on to to do a lot of wonderful charity work, raise a lot of awareness, and and do some wonderful things, and still ended up, you know, dying as a result of uh, his injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also had means to live a good life with lots of health care and exactly. lots of assistance and Will comes from a family with lots of means and lots of health care and lots of, lots of assistance mm-hmm. and you know what would life be for someone from uh, a less privileged background? Yeah, that was one of our, our staff um, questions there was, what does it mean for a poor middle-class people to suddenly become a quadriplegic? How do they manage? And I thought about that a lot while reading mm-hmm. the book, honestly. It's just like Oh, my God. Like, I mean, Will had his own wing of the house to, mm-hmm. like, literally live in just with his nurse. Whereas, like, I mean, he had 24-hour care. He had a nurse who literally only took care of him. Mm-hmm. He was there almost 24 hours a day. And the times that he wasn't there, Louisa was there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, they they just did everything. He had a special van to put his wheelchair in. He had just every possible thing that you could have. I mean, as far as Will goes, he could have lived the absolute longest that somebody in his situation could because of the care that he had and because of the the money that mm-hmm. his family had to provide those things for him. And it's just like, man, I don't know. I don't know that if I had become quadriplegic suddenly in high school, if, I mean, I had a lot of stairs coming up to my house. And it's just like, I don't know that my family could have afforded a van with a wheelchair lift. I don't know that Lyon County High School would have put in a wheelchair ramp. I mean, we didn't we didn't have these things. And it's just like, I don't know. I mean, you might not even make it as far as Will did if you don't have that kind of access. I was even thinking, this is a little bit um, random, but I was thinking about this podcast over the weekend. My family and I were in uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee visiting. Um, My husband was there for a conference, and I was pushing my toddler around in a stroller. And most uh, of the buildings in the downtown area did not have the little handicap buttons that yeah. you push that automatically open the doors for you. Yeah. And, like, just trying to finagle a stroller, a light stroller, and, like, a 30-pound toddler through some of those doors was really hard. And I kept thinking of um, friends and family members mm-hmm. who have adult uh, children with disabilities who are in wheelchairs yeah. and how do you finagle them through there and if you yourself are in a wheelchair how do you get through that door do you just sit there and wait for someone to come along and open the door for you I know yeah I mean even their public library didn't have a uh, handicap ex- handicap accessible door that I saw mm-hmm. um, from the from the front entrance there may have been a back entrance that I didn't know about but um, I w- and I was thinking about this book as as I was going around downtown going if I'm struggling as right. you know a 
a parent with a, a lightweight toddler and a light little stroller, how would someone in a wheelchair, this is their daily struggle just oh, to yeah. get around town. Absolutely. And when you're somebody like Will who is quadriplegic, it's he, he doesn't have the Absolutely. option of even like trying to get through the door. Absolutely. He can only move his fingers. I mean, there's literally nothing he can do if that handicap button isn't there. Absolutely. So, I mean, you have to have somebody with you at all times. At all times. And, I mean, that's just... That, that's huge. That is just a huge thing for somebody who is so independent and does all these things to just have to rely on somebody to do something as simple as open a door for him. And uh, one of the questions another, a staff member submitted um, kind of goes along with that. Is any life better than death, even if it's painful, constricting, without hope of improvement? Isn't that incredibly selfish of the rest of us to demand that a person in pain continue to exist just so we won't have to say goodbye? Um, my feeling is, yes, any life is better than death. Um, any life can be made, and this is, I guess, the optimist in me coming out. Yeah. Any life can be full and rich and rewarding, and you can do wonderful and great and vibrant things. Um, and uh, I, I wished that Will had seen that and mm-hmm. had seen what his potential, he still had so much to give the world, um, and he chose not to do that because it was painful. And maybe that is selfish of me to say, no, you need to stick around because Louisa needs you and your mother needs you. Yeah. And you can still give the world something and, and Will didn't want to. Yeah. And I mean, it's like, I think what we're learning here is that human beings are selfish. Yeah. <laughs> Will's selfish. Everyone was selfish for wanting to keep him there when he didn't want to be there. He's selfish for wanting to leave. And it's just like, I mean... I, I'm, I'm the opposite. I don't, I don't think that any life is better than death. I don't know that. I mean, we were talking a little bit. We, we both had people in our families who did have Alzheimer's, and it's. I, I don't know that I would be able to consign myself to that life. I mean, I've seen it happen, and I know that there are plenty of people who, who do do it. I mean, my grandmother lived for 10, 13 years with Alzheimer's, and it was like my mother saw her, but it was so painful for my mother to go and see her every day. I mean, and, and it's just it's a situation that you wouldn't wish on anybody. And I certainly wouldn't wish it on myself. Um, so, I mean, I don't know that I think that any life is better than death. I don't know that I would be willing to, to consign myself to 10 years of that. And I know the author Terry Pratchett, um, he was diagnosed with dementia. And I don't believe that he, he, he did pass away recently, but it wasn't. He didn't actually go through with the assisted suicide. But he had said that if it got to the point where he felt like he was no longer completely there, he would do it. Um, and because he's a writer, mm-hmm. I mean when he's unable to write, I mean, what is, what does he have left? That that was him. Yeah. If he can't express himself, then he feels like that part of him is, is gone. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's just, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of with, uh, I'm kind of with Will there. Um, well, it certainly brings up a lot of, the book certainly brings up a lot of really, uh, deep questions that I don't think anyone, I certainly didn't expect from picking it up. Oh yeah. Thought, I mean, you look at like the, fluffy romance. The cover of this novel is so beautiful. It's so and pretty and it's all <laughs> like scripty. Yeah. And, and Lou, as we've said earlier, reminds us a lot of Bridget Jones. Yeah. And there's this charming, you know, British setting. And it can and be a really funny book. Yeah. It was really it charming and witty and kind of adorable and yeah. light. And then it just kept going. I kept reading and going, this is just getting dark. How much darker is this going to get? I mean, I basically had to force you to finish reading it. Essentially. <laughs> Essentially. We have to record the podcast at some point. We have to finish, even though you know what's coming. Yep. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a terrible person who reads ahead, so I knew the ending before I actually got there. Um, 
Well, to be fair, I mean, all you had to do was watch the trailer for the movie, That's and true. you would pretty much know where That's it was true. going. Um, my husband, who knew what book we were reading but knew nothing about it, we went to see another movie and the trailer for me before you played before it, and he looked at me after it finished. Just like, you're gonna read that? <laughs> he was like, why would you do that to yourself? I was like, the staff did it to me. <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot, LPL staff. Really appreciate um, it. After how it went down, this was just the light, fluffy read we needed to. You know. <laughs> really brought us back up. Exactly. The next one we pick, you guys, will be something lighthearted and fun. We're, we've said the the cri- criteria is nobody dies. Yeah, absolutely. Nobody dies. There can't be an animal in it. Nope. Because that can only end poorly. So. It's true. It's true. <laughs> We're taking the power away from everyone else. It's going to be our decision next time. No death in our next book. So, Alexa, did you like Me Before You? I loved it. I really did. I didn't, like I said, I read that first chapter and I was expecting to full on just not be into it at all. I'm a roommate. I'll, I'll read anything, to be honest. Um, I'm not terribly picky. Um, and I've read a lot of romance novels in my day. Um, not that this is really a romance. I mean, it's... It's, it's not. And yeah. It, again, it gets kind of pegged. I think it gets marketed as a romance because they're hoping to get a specific audience to read it. Yeah. But it really is more about uh, Louisa figuring out herself and mm-hmm. coming into herself and becoming a, a, a full person with Will's help and yeah. learning how to say goodbye. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's it's really about, it's kind of like a building's Ramon, honestly, even though she is already an adult. I mean, Louisa really does grow up mm-hmm. in this novel. You watch this person who makes no decisions mm-hmm. and goes to her unfulfilling job. I mean, not that it's unfulfilling to be a waitress. I mean, she loves it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's no there's no growth there. Right. She's doing the exact same she's thing every single to, day. She's actively hoping to not grow. I think. Exactly, yeah. She yeah. doesn't want to. Um, and, and that's not the Louisa that we have at the end of the novel. Right. Um, so what did you think of it? Um... It's funny, if you were to ask me if I liked it, I would say probably say no, but yet I can't stop thinking about it or talking about it, <laughs> which I think is the mark of a good book. I think you might like it. So I think maybe I do. I really like uh, Louisa as a character. Mm-hmm. I think the Bridget Jones comparison is apt, but yeah. then she, yeah, you watch her grow up. You really do. Um, she becomes a more fully formed person than Bridget ever hoped to be, mm-hmm. was her. Um, <laughs> God, yeah, Bridget doesn't do a whole lot of growing. No, and that's fine. <laughs> um, I am even thinking about reading the sequel because I want to see where Louisa goes. That was going to be my next question for you. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to because yeah. I want to know what happens to her. I told um, Yvonne, who is our JoJo Moya superman at Eastside, I was just like, I'll, I'll never read after you. She's like, oh, you'll read it. I was like, never. I'll never go back. I can't imagine Louisa without Will. And I just refuse. But I probably will. Yeah. I'm, I'm not fooling anyone, I don't I gotta think. know what happens to her. I know. She's compelling. I read the first chapter on Amazon with their look inside me. And it was, <laughs> it was pretty, I was just like, I just wanted to see. Just just check it out and see how it goes. It's a little taste. I'm, I'm just, I'm not committing. <laughs> uh, and the movie we should mention is coming out soon with um, uh, Daenerys. The the trifecta of fantasy characters, Daenerys Targaryen as Louisa, Finnick O'Dare from The Hunger Games as Will Trainer, and Neville Longbottom as Louisa's kind of jerky runner <gasps> boyfriend. Well, now I want to see it because Neville's in it. <laughs> Neville I Longbottom. Was not, I was not going to see it, but he is just such a darling. I may yeah. have to now because I love, I love Neville. He's going to be her super buff boyfriend who goes on all sorts of runs and marathons. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, the trifecta. That is really that I've is been the calling it. Of, yeah. <laughs> Warner Brothers knew what they were doing when they were casting this film. I thought was another thing that I thought was really funny was that Jojo Moyes in the interview that I read, um, they had asked her what some of her favorite books were, and she named Hunger Games. 
I was like, I wonder if she really liked Finnick. That's really funny. I know. <laughs> do you think it's weird that they have, um, this is an offshoot kind of random uh, thought, but do you think it's weird that they have uh, Daenerys, who is such, such a strong, powerful kind of badass, playing a character who is so meek and mild at the beginning? I think it's really interesting. I think it's really a testament to Amelia Clark, yeah. um, the actress's uh, acting abilities. Because, oh my god, I loved her in that trailer as Louisa. And I've seen, I've just seen the first season of Game of Thrones, so I have seen her a little bit as Khaleesi. Um, and, and she's a brunette in, the, in this, this she movie. She is. Which, so totally, she almost is unrecognizable. She, that, that blonde hair, really, when she's not blonde, I don't understand that. <laughs> you just don't even acknowledge that it's Daenerys. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's completely against type for her, um, but she's adorable. I mean, after the trailer, and my husband looked over at me and was just like, you're going to read that? He was just like... I would probably watch it to watch Amelia yeah. Clark be so cute because she's just like she's so just she really does embody the character of Lu- like I said I haven't seen the movie yet um, it is out I think it came out on the second um, I haven't seen it yet I probably will not in theaters because nobody wants to watch me ball my eyes out which is what I'll end I'm a crier so it's just like I was a I was a wreck at the book I don't want to be like that in the theater because I know that I will um, but oh god, she was cute. She just like completely, they completely nailed it with the casting as far as I'm concerned because she was totally, totally Louisa. Um, and I'm really, I really like, um, Finnick O'Dare as Will too. I think he's a good Will. I like him with his, his sorrow beard at the beginning <laughs> of the trailer. He looked good. Well, I, I'm just glad that we read the book first. I am too. Before we see the movie. So we, we are not those people. Um, and yeah, if you have thoughts on how me before you, if there are things that you liked about the book, you hated about the book, you can go on our Facebook page. Um, you can, uh, tweet at us, uh, the library's, uh, Twitter account and mm-hmm. tell us what you think. And we will be back next month with a different book, a lighter book, a happier book. <laughs> we no, promise. No deaths. <laughs> um, everything will be ha- sunny all the time, always. Thanks guys. Bye.